okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna send out a series of emails and then I'm gonna have a deadline. And um, we I got I got some people to sign up on the first day, but then it was pretty much crickets. And I thought, oh my gosh, I've wasted an entire year of my life. And then it wasn't until that last day when I sent out a few emails and saying, okay, um, you know, this is after after today, you're you're not gonna get access anymore. And $18,000 of orders came in. And I was ma mainly taking care of like this greenhouse. So I had to like water the plants, you know, like <laughs> build a compost. But I spent probably 80% of my internship eating mangoes. I'm not kidding. But a lot of people just use testimonials when they want to make the point of, hey, a lot of people use our stuff and they think that we're awesome. But there's other really creative mm. ways that I think a lot of people overlook using client stories and testimonials that can really make your content so much more impactful. We've got some Hey, I'm Louise. And I'm Fonzie. And you're yeah, listening to the Content is Profit podcast. Where we talk about entrepreneurship, mindset, and of course, how to turn your content into profit. But most importantly, we are here to have a good time with you. So go to contentsprofit.com and join the community. Oh yeah. That, that, I crushed that, that one. good. High five. Profit. There we go. Right, you can now hear it in there. We just had an epic <laughs> high five with a fist bump. It's called Awkward. a flump. A flump? A flump. <laughs> I've never heard that before. All right. Awesome. What are we talking about today, folks? Today we're talking about bridging the gap between audience and content and maybe profits too, right? Oh, oh yeah. Baby. Oh, oh yeah. baby. Full credit goes to our guest website. It was, it was pretty good. Pretty, it, they had great headlines in there. Yeah. And you know, you know, you know how we roll. We roll out, out of curiosity. We're gonna we're gonna dig deep to po podcasting hack. Everybody's like, how do you guys come up with those amazing titles? <laughs> Go to your guest websites. They already have the amazing message in there. You wanna highlight them? You wanna show some love? Good hack. That's a good hack. Good hack. Yeah, we should do a, a <laughs> Instagram re a Instagram reel about that. Anyways, all right, so we are back, and today we're going all out with a serial entrepreneur and founder of multiple SaaS companies. Big thanks to our hashtag golden balder brother, Adam Shabu. Shabu. Shibly. Shibly. Oh, man. For the introduction. Adam, don't kill me. That I is right you. here. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to pass the caffeine to your side so you can, hey. yeah, you can get your mind straight. Hey, the mind is straight, but when a newborn is in the house, <laughs> I've been sleeping an average of three hours a night. Just going to put that out there. I, I will give you that one, guys. So. Guys, today's guest is also a master of making complicated concepts into simple things to understand. And he knows how to build epic A-plus teams of super talented people. I'm going to take a guess here and say that that is how he has been able to build and scale all those successful businesses that, that grow, grow year after, after year, year like Deadline Funnel, <laughs> which he is a co-founder of. That is right, guys. <laughs> please welcome co-founder of Deadline Funnel, Kitesurf Connoisseur. Also, he's a connoisseur of frozen margaritas and possibly my tennis partner <laughs> in the next Australian Open, Jack Byrne. <laughs> What's up, Jack? Great to be here, guys. Listen, listen to you guys makes me miss home. So I'm 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 in Australia right now. It it, it makes me miss the the, the U.S. I, I I grew up in Miami, Florida. Um, you know, we, we I, I left St. Augustine, and uh, I I just love the Hispanic accent. I I, I just miss. <laughs> I miss that community. 
Yeah. There's just something there's just something something about it and and I don't get enough of that around here. So it's it's great to see you guys having fun. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. By the way, you just made your your like uh the, the fast climb to number 1 because you're the first <laughs> guest ever in like 270 episodes that says I love your Hispanic accent. <laughs> so we're like Oh, wait, to this yeah. point I'm like I don't think I have a Hispanic accent. Nobody has said anything. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Fun fact here too for the listeners as well. You actually come into Jacksonville. San Agustin is like 30 minutes away from Jacksonville, where we're yeah. at, and you're visiting here in a few in a few weeks mm -hmm. to Jacksonville, and we're gonna, you know, we're gonna have to play some tennis, of course, maybe kite surfing there. We don't do it any of that, but we can learn, and we're gonna go have some frozen margaritas, and it's gonna be epic. I think, I think, I think somehow we should combine the margaritas and the tennis, and it could hey. get really interesting. I think it'll be great. <laughs> yeah, fun yeah. fight. Every, uh, every, every time. Every time you lose a game, you gotta you gotta down a margarita. <laughs> uh, we'll be carrying Fonzie out on the stretcher <laughs> on that one. Uh, just gonna put that out there. Jack, fun fact: the other day we were talking about like surfing and the thing, and Fonzie's like, "Oh, you know, I'm about to uh, go in and live in this amazing place, and I think I'm gonna take on surfing." And I'm like, "Dude, you know what? Like, I don't know surfing, but I really want to learn kite surf. So, just gonna put that out there. You know, when you come in here, you know some." You know, pointers out there. They'll be awesome. <laughs> That'll be awesome. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. awesome. I, I, I have I, I have some tennis rackets that I bought that are that are waiting for me, and also some kite surfing gear. So I'm hoping to hoping to do a little bit of both when I come back to the states. That's yeah. great. Well, at this point, we're gonna have to invite the audience too. If you guys want to join on on this one, <laughs> right? We're like teasing them over here. But Jack, for those that don't know you, right? Uh, just give us a quick background on who you are and how did you land into the SaaS world, you know, serial entrepreneur, multiple companies, and now with Deadline Funnel. Yeah, so uh, my, my exit from corporate America happened shortly after 2001, so around 2002. Um, and um, I started building up a community where it was one of these network effect type of communities where it was actually a a job board in the healthcare industry. Mm. And so that was a complicated thing that I, I really had to figure out on my own. I didn't know any programming. I did everything wrong, um, but I was just super tenacious. Um, I, I decided to program everything by myself. They didn't have, you know, they didn't have Upwork or Fiverr or things like this. And so a lot of this I had to do on my own made all the mistakes in the book. I built the thing for a year for free because, you know, on, on, on something where you've got both, you know, this side and that side, and you're trying to bring them together like a job board, you know, it's, it can be really challenging. You can have one side of it solved, but you need both sides, like, yep. like participating in that marketplace. And so I built it up for free for a year. And, uh, after, after a year of doing that and taking some really strange jobs, uh, <laughs> you know, to, to keep things afloat, um, my wife came to me and she said, honey, it's time to, fish or cut bait, as they say in the South. And, uh, you know, it's time to find out if this thing has wings. <clears throat> and this was before um, anyone had talked about doing a product launch or talking about how that works. And so mm. I just uh, decided, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send out a series of emails and then I'm going to have a deadline. And um, we, I, got, I got some people to sign up on the first day. Then it was pretty much crickets, and I thought, oh, my gosh, I've wasted an entire year of my life. And then it wasn't until that last day when I sent out a few emails and saying, okay, um, you know, this is after, after today, you're, you're not going to get access anymore. And $18,000 of orders came in, which for me at the time was, I mean, it's still a, a good chunk of money, but for me at the time, that was, that was like half the amount of money that I'd made at my corporate job the year before. Wow. And so that was, that was a huge windfall. Wow. Um, and so, and so from there, um, some continuity 
you know, revenue came in, it wasn't 18 grand every month. So <laughs> those were a lot of, those were a lot of annuals, but that was really my, you know, the light bulb didn't quite go off yet, but I did, I did kind of notice that it wasn't until that, that deadline that people actually took action. There had been a lot of people who were interested, they were on the fence, they loved the thing, but it wasn't until they had to actually put up or shut up or make a decision that, uh, that mm. the money actually started to, to come in. So that was my first experience with the launch. Um, I'll speed up the timeline. Um, I did that for a while. I, I also did some consulting. And then a guy named Perry Marshall, who is a you know, world-renowned author. Is it the 80-20? The author yeah, 80, of 8020 20 sales and marketing, but at the time he was really known as the guy who had cracked the code on Google AdWords. Mm. He wrote a book on it. He had a lot of courses on it, and I was a follower of his. Of his, I bought some of his stuff. I was on his newsletter, and he sent out an email that said, "Hey, I'm looking to hire some people, and one of them is an affiliate manager." And I had both been an affiliate and I had had some affiliates, and I thought, "Man, this would this would be really cool I, I, to to have an opportunity to work with this guy." who's hanging out with all these other marketing thought leaders, this would really be an opportunity for me to raise my game. And they had a really interesting process. You didn't send in your resume. You actually mm. competed in a series of challenges. And whoever won at the end, that would become his affiliate manager. And long story oh, wow. short, I won. Um, <laughs> and, 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 and you mentioned the 80-20 book. So I'm, I'm actually in two chapters of the book. Chapter six is about a concept I came up with called the tactical triangle. Um, and then, so he goes into detail into that. And then towards the end of the book, uh, somewhere near the end, he describes that hiring process that I just talked about. Mm. And I don't know if he mentions me by name, but I went through version 1.0 of that process and yeah. won the challenges. Um, and so it was sort of like the apprentice. And so, um, you know, at, at the end I won and I, I thought it was going to be a six month gig. It ended up being six years. Oh, uh, wow. Fan fantastic experience. Excuse me, I just had a it's 6 a.m. So I had uh, feel, <laughs> feel like feel like I need to dilute some of the coffee. Um, so um, so after after six years, actually after about four and a half years, I, I really had that entrepreneurial itch. Mm. I decided to start building a software business on the side, sort of like a side hack. Not because I wasn't enjoying working with Perry, but just you know, yeah. if you're an entrepreneur, you just you're an entrepreneur from you know all the way through. Yeah. So I started building this out. Um, a few of those things started taking off. And for a while, I, I tried to balance, you know, the side hustle and, and working for Perry. And then the side hustle overshadowed, you know, the, the main thing. And me and Perry just had a conversation and said, look, you need to spread your wings. He needs someone dedicated on his business. We're, we're still friends and amigos to this day. Um, but, you know, I went on to build uh, some software companies. And, and, and one of my biggest challenges, maybe we'll get into this, was you mentioned it in the intro, was, you know, hiring my first people because, you know, I, again, I, I tend to get, th you know, I tend to make mistakes, you know, the first time out of the gate, but I stick with it. And, you know, uh, to this day, you know, building, building a team of absolutely brilliant and talented people is really what has taken my business, you know, to where it is today and, and hopefully where it's going in the future. It's yeah. just, you know, it's just a game changer. But there was that time where I just really struggled and struggled and struggled with being able like, how do you do this? How do you make this work? Because I tried to follow some of the stuff from the four hour work week and, and, you know, not throwing shade, you know, Tim Ferriss, you know, but some of the stuff just sounded so easy. I'm like, oh my God, yeah. this is going to be amazing. I'm going to hire someone for four bucks an hour. And, you know, it just didn't work out the way that it sounded like it worked out for Tim. Um, and so I, you know, it really set me back and I thought, well, I guess this works for other people. But when I finally cracked the code on that, or at least figured some things out, uh, figured out enough 
that's when things really took off. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's kind of the story. And you know, what my team has been building and working on and improving for the past 12 years is deadline funnel. And so we can, we can take the conversation in whatever direction you want. Yeah, yeah. no, this is amazing. I already have a, a few questions here throughout your, your journey, right? Um, I mean, first, you mentioned doing some strange jobs here and there. I'm actually curious, like, what kind of, like, <laughs> strange jobs? Are you, were you, like, a bartender and you were you were you serving frozen margaritas? Is that why you like them so much? <laughs> no, no, no. Um, so, the, so the whole, the reason why we come back to the, keep coming back to the margaritas is that it's just where I live in Australia right now. <laughs> there's, there's just not, uh, you know, a Mexican restaurant I can go to where they've got, you know, the, the 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 slurpy machine or the frozen margarita <laughs> machine you know yeah. i think uh, so i think I, it's I'm, important that we clarify that yeah so we don't make you look like a, some sort of alcoholic <laughs> or something like that so i, I appreciate the, the clarification the mexicans right. haven't made their way all right. the way to where you are yeah. sounds sounds like a yeah. business opportunity for me yeah just saying yeah. maybe you have the, you you open, you partner up and you open yeah. the first mexican yeah. restaurant it could, it, could, it could be it could be um yeah so Uh, okay, back to so so the question was about the strange jobs. So yeah, yeah. Um, I one of the one of the strange jobs was I worked for. A, so there was a guy that I knew through softball that worked for Court Furniture, and he had his own side gig where this was shortly after 9-11. and he um, he would he would get a contract to set up uh, cubicles. And so he, my job was for you know for for you know a couple hundred bucks cash. I, you know, we would, I would show up at, at, at court furniture, you know, one morning really early, the U-Haul would be loaded up with a bunch of, you know, of the pieces that go together to make the, the, uh, cubicles. And then I would drive out to wherever it was, is several hours away. I would show up and I would start building, uh, the, this, this cubicle. And, and I'll wow. tell you one of the, one of the thoughts that occurred to me, like the fourth or fifth time that I did this, I only did this maybe a dozen times, but, um, like the fourth or fifth time that I did this, I'm putting this thing together and I'm just really not having a, a fun time doing it. I think there were some parts missing or whatever, but I thought, you know, it's kind of ironic that, you know, part of my blueprint for leaving what I, you know, I, I look at, you know, working for corporate America for me personally, was like being yeah. in prison. Like my last mm -hmm. job was horrible. So I was like, this is my escape plan from prison. <laughs> building more building prisons. prisons for other people. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. I, I, I'm yeah. always super interested in like the, the jobs side of things because yeah. I, I remember, that, um, I mean, we've never been a fan of corporate or jobs, you know, in that sense, right? We, I think that itch of entrepreneurship has been always present, but we identified it late after college, right? Um, in our life, I guess, or I, I say late, but it's like right after college. That's so early. Keep going. <laughs> Keep going with your point. Um, and I and I remember, you know, the, you always thought like, okay, one job and you stick to it and you're responsible to this thing and or, or you know, that one path. And I remember listening to, I think it's a guy that has a show in Discovery Channel about the uh, ugly shows or what? Uh, ugly, uh, Mike something. Dirty I forgot. Jobs. Dirty Jobs. Dirty, Dirty jobs. jobs, yeah. And I remember listening to an interview where he's like, how do you know you, what you really like if you never tried something different, right? And it's like, here's the thing, like go try one job. If you don't like it, go and try another one. And if you don't like it, go try another one. Yeah. And I'm like, man, what an important thing to, to, to hear because it gives you like the freedom to try different things. And you could do that with job or you can do that with your entrepreneurial journey as well. And, you know, in a sense, that's, that's how we've been able to find the thing that we're really yeah. passionate about because 
at first we thought we were going to be millionaires selling vinyl stickers, right? Um, <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, it turns out that that was not the thing that we love to do. And uh, But it led to the next thing and it led yeah. to the next thing, right? So yeah. Robert Greene actually talks about that concept too. For those that are not familiar, Robert Greene wrote uh, The 48 Laws of Power. He has like a bunch of very famous books. And he said that he always wanted to be a writer, but he was never kind of like given the opportunity. And in that time between his first contract, which was for The 48 Laws of Power, he had 60 different jobs, mm-hmm. which that experience allowed him to craft what later on became the 48 laws of power. So, yeah. you know, I'm pretty sure building the prison cubicles has some influence you in a way to also, you know, how you, you probably took a lesson from there that you could later apply on something else and yeah. some lessons from the other weird jobs that you might have done oh. that you could potentially apply on your business. Well, uh, so one of the one of the biggest impacts on my leadership philosophy is um, is, is my last corporate job. Um, it was it was so the, the second to last job was Merrill Lynch, and I was so I was a financial advisor for three years in Ponte Vedra, Florida. So that's also right around the corner from you guys. Yeah. Um, and then I you know, there was a startup company in um, Neptune Beach, which again another local area. Um, and so I, I left, I left Merrill Lynch to join this startup company and it, it just really was not fun at all. It was, mm. it was just everything that I didn't want it to be. Um, and so I, I just remember thinking to myself, if I ever somehow are, are, are able to have my own company, if I'm ever so fortunate, I'm just going to do the opposite of what these jokers and these clowns have done, mm. you know, with their team, you know? So for example, holding meetings where you just want to hear your opinion reflected back to you. Like you have yep. like everyone around, like, and, and everyone's like job is to, you know, go around like the, like the, the butt kissing line, you know? And, <laughs> and I thought I was in this meeting one time and they were, you know, so I'm, I'm reading, I'm reading marketing and direct response stuff from people like Dan Kennedy and Perry Marshall. <laughs> and so I've got all these ideas. I'm just like, like, just so eager to contribute and share, you know, but I didn't have the courage at the time to start my own company. And so imagine where the manager brings in like 12 of us and they're like, Hey, we just spent all this money on these new advertisements going to go in the, you know, the trade mag. And so they, they show it. And I was like, Oh my God, this is beautiful. This is the best thing ever. Oh my God, you guys are brilliant. And I'm like, you know, this is really good, but you know, what if you put a unique, url or call to action like so you could track your ads and you know and then what if like what if we put some of the testimonials because we've got amazing testimonials from some of our clients what if we put those in the ad and you know this headline instead of it being like this like weird you know we believe in you type of thing like what if it was like something where if you just had the headline people are like hell yeah like i want to i want to take action on that yeah and so i gave out like five or six ideas that are straight out of marketing direct response 101 and the I hope it's okay to say this, but the yeah. manager looked at me like I had stood up on the table in front of everyone, pulled down my pants, and just like you know, you know, <laughs> use, use the use the toilet like in front of everyone, and and I'm like, oh, like you know, inside my head, I'm like, I get it. Like this, you didn't want my my opinion. You, yeah. you wanted me to tell you how smart you are. Wow. I get it. So so the so that's you know that's just one of the one of the many things that I've taken into my business is you know, surround yourself with smart people, mm-hmm. get their advice, and then listen to it. You know, there are times where I will, you know, listen to the advice and still go the direction that I want to go. But that's really rare. More often than yeah. not, 
someone else other than me is coming up with the best idea in the room or the next idea to try, you know, because you said, just like you said, like, we don't always know what's going to work. Yeah. So yeah. Mm -hmm. Hey, let's, let's try your idea, Louise. Yeah. You know, let's go in that direction. Let's see how that works. <clears throat> so I think listening to your team and empowering them. And then by the way, giving them credit, giving away credit instead of, instead of saying like, you know, look how smart I am. You know, I'm like anytime that I'm on a show, I, I, I really try to genuinely, elevate my team, but I also do it internally. And, you know, if, if something is a, is a, is a success, whether it's a small win or a big win, you know, we'll celebrate those wins internally in Slack and team meetings. And I give credit away, um, you know, to the point, yeah, to the point that, you know, the other day, my right hand man's like, you know, you, you know, you, you told so-and-so that, that they did all the work on that. And, and, you know, you did like 60% of the work. I'm like, look, I don't need the credit. Like it's, that's not what's important. It's important yeah. that people are recognized for the value that they bring. Absolutely. I love that, man. I, I, the other day, I actually watched a video of Ray, Ray Dalio. I don't know if you're familiar with him. Yeah. Um, he wrote a very famous book for those that don't know him called Principles. And one of his like core, I'll say like values in his business is radical transparency. And it's super interesting because he developed this software that they use inside of their company that when they're meeting, people with a tablet can pretty much like evaluate and give their opinion on what other people are talking. And then he has like polls and everything come out and he really takes into consideration what not just obviously the CEO is saying, but literally somebody that is like in month one of the company. And then they, right. you know, through algorithms and whatnot, they, they make some of the decisions. But yeah. I found this super interesting, right? Because at the end of the day, like, you hear from very successful people is yeah. the empowerment of the team, right? Like you want to hire rock stars, like you want to be able to provide to them the environment so they can thrive and they can be successful. And yeah, if, if you find yourself in an environment, kind of like your old, you know, job where all the manager wants to do is to hear how, how smart he is, it's going to be very difficult yeah. to grow that way. I think like uh, what, what you just explained is such a valuable lesson, right? Because I, f I feel like people that are transitioning into entrepreneurship or they're, they're chasing a dream, right? They, it's coming from also a place that maybe a negative experience that they had and they're like, I don't want to be there, right? And sometimes we feel a little bit lost on, on how to go about our new journey, right? So you mentioned and I highlight, right? Uh, I want to do the opposite of what these guys were doing, right? And I think, like, that's a great place to start. I remember um, I used to work in the fitness industry. I, I used to manage fitness studios. And there was a moment in transition where leadership, this new guy came in from corporate, right? And he brought all the corporate ideas. And we were coming from a place of, like, we had a, all this, like, family environment with all the studio managers. And uh, guy comes, a little too strong. And uh, my studio was going through this transition point where I needed a new head coach. And he's like, this is your new head coach. Instead of like asking the team that has been there for three years, like, hey, who do you want from the network? Like, we have so many. Can we do a tryout? Can we have like these guys, like, do they fit in the, in the culture of, of this thing? And I remember they say the name of the guy. The guy comes in one day. I'm not in the studio. My assistant manager calls me freaking out. This guy just came in. Like, he just started like bossing people around. What do we do? And I'm like... Oh boy, we gotta we gotta stop this. And I remember having this this phone call with like, hey, that's unacceptable. The guy apparently came in, told him what to do. These guys had no idea that these guys were gonna be the the new 
head coach, and I'm doing air quotations, it was such a negative experience that the whole team rejected that, right? And and even though that was the feedback that was shared, um, the decision wasn't heard, and the, they moved forward with that decision. I'm like, okay, what is the feedback loop here? So that's one of the lessons I personally, you know, took with me, just like you did with yours. I'm like, okay, when this happens, like, what is the thing? We're going through a moment right now with Contents Profit and, and BizRoast where, we might need to be hiring new people. And I remember like we've been repeating this on the meeting, on our team meetings every day. It's like, hey, do you know somebody that you guys know the process? Who do we know? Like, who do you want to be in here? Like, where do we need support? Like, what are the things? And again, like those are tricky conversations. But I think like when the team is involved in these conversations, it can uh, yield many positive results. So thank you for sharing that because it's, it you just gave a great starting point for people that are transitioning into building those teams or what the next step is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I call it the, I call it the Costanza method of leadership. So it, it ties back the Costanza references, uh, Seinfeld. There was an yes. episode or two where Costanza decides everything in his, like his life is just awful. And he decides, you know what, if every, every thought or decision, you know, leads to the life that he has, he's just going to start doing the opposite of whatever pops into his head. <laughs> and all of a sudden his life like takes off. So yeah, I mean, it, for for someone who has you know really not enjoyed their corporate corporate life, or they can remember a job that they hated, you know, try to think back to all the like specifically the things that you you didn't like, and just work that into like, what if I did the opposite? What if I empowered people? What if I listened to their opinion? What if I gave credit away instead of trying to make myself look as good as possible? What if you know bringing people on the team? You know, obviously there's an onboarding process, but what if the message was, and we do this overtly, um, what if the message was, hey, don't wait six months, 12 months before you feel comfortable saying, hey, what if we did, did this? Like we want unique ideas. We want you to feel like you can bring up ideas and, you know, not every idea is going to be adopted. Don't, yeah. be, don't be hurt if we don't, you know, run with your idea, but we want you to participate yeah. and bring your ideas to the table uh, because, you know, great ideas can come from anywhere. What? And um, yeah, and so and so those are those are some of the things that we try to incorporate. But one more thing that I'll mention is that this kind of ties back to something that we said a little bit earlier. Um, I wish that someone had told me when I was growing up, you know, um, my parents had a pretty good network of different of, of people who did different things, architects and doctors and teachers and lawyers and blah, blah, blah. And I, I wish that the advice that I had been given was, look, go try out, go, you know, be the coffee delivery guy or just sit in the office with so-and-so for a week and then test it out. See what it's like. What is it like to be an attorney? Like, mm -hmm. like, do they secretly hate mm -hmm. their job? Do you like, would you, would you like working here? Or is there something that you feel like it makes your skin crawl? Like go work for, you know, your uncle, the veterinarian and see like, yeah. what is it like working for him? And so I wish that I had, you know, just yeah. gone through this experimentation phase of just testing out these different jobs so that you can just say, so because you would start to see i would start to see patterns of okay when a job involves dealing with this type of situation or you know I, it, this this really doesn't make me happy this doesn't yeah. give me energy and so that's that's another another bit of advice so i'm trying to tell yeah. my 16 year old daughter to do the same thing like go try yeah. different things not not you know it's not necessarily the money you know in doing the internship it's finding it's crossing things off your list. Like, okay, I've now I now know that I never want to do X. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That is such valuable advice. I mean, not to throw shade at the 
education system. But oh, you know, yeah, you, throw a you, lot of shade. <laughs> you you try like they, they they want you to make a a decision, right? Pretty much on what are you gonna study, what's gonna be without trying anything. And how many people, you know, end school, go to their jobs, and then they're miserable, and then they probably are just staying there because of. I don't know the opportunity cost, right? Like they've been, they've invested so much in the education to be there that they probably feel bad transitioning to another thing. Jack, we're gonna so, we're, we're gonna play a quick game. Can you guess what was Fonzie's internship before college? Like my high <laughs> take, school internship. Take a wild guess. <laughs> take a wild guess. Uh, I don't even know how it was called. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, that makes it creative. Uh, <laughs> Uh, dog catcher. Dog catcher. Maybe close. I was, I was trying to. I was trying to go like just way wild. back, way back. Yeah, no. uh, I promise you. Uh, yeah, this is my internship <laughs> in high school was actually for like a nonprofit uh, that took care of the the forest in, back home, like in a, a mountain that's back home, and I was ma mainly taking care of like this greenhouse. So I had to like water the plants, you know, like <laughs> build a compost. But I spent probably 80% of my internship eating mangoes. I'm not kidding. Like after the first day, I noticed that there were like so many like mango trees out there that I was like, yeah. I'm just going to carry a knife with me and I'm just going to eat mangoes all day. Um, but yeah, I have one of those weird jobs too, if you want to put it that way. I, I think that's such an important principle, right? Like, and uh, let's say like we, obviously we talk about content, we talk about teams um, and the content sense, right? Like we, we, you have to experiment a bunch of stuff, right? From creation, right? To to publication, to like, what is your style? What is your things, right? It's, there's a lot of things that we talk about where people come in and like, they, they, they want the secret formula. What is the one thing, right? But it, there's different creation methods. And as far as like building the company, there's a lot of parallels too. Like there, there's probably different ways of building a company. For us, we've definitely tried a few and we found one that fit our style that like a communication style with our team that fits our style that fits the team style and we've been able to grab traction wait so wait does it fit our style <laughs> just kidding Jack, style should, we, should we kick him off the, should we kick him off the podcast uh <laughs> yeah it fits our style, fits our style. okay fits yeah style. Uh, but i i think that's something that it, it's super important to to recognize right mm -hmm. have you you know, through your experiences and, and through these last 12 years of building your companies, like how do you, how do you find your frameworks? Like, how do you find like what works and what doesn't, do you have a system to do that? Right. For example, I'll give you a little bit of context. Like when we first started doing team meetings, right, we hired our first team members like two years ago and initially it was like, okay, let's talk once a week and everything through Slack. Right. And then it wasn't working out. There was some miscommunication. And then we started adopting the daily huddle, right? So we started meeting every morning and it was a one hour meeting every morning. And then we started like uh, tangent alerts everywhere. Like all these conversations going different, different ways. And Fonsi is like, man, like we're wasting a lot of time in these meetings, right? Like maybe we're getting stuff done, but it's not as effective. And then we're like, okay, we compress it to 30 minutes. And then we followed a, a, a structure. And then we had a longer meetings on Thursdays. And we've been like trying and refining this process more and more throughout the, the last couple of years. And right now we're to the point where like the daily huddles can be like 15 minutes. Everybody knows exactly what to do, how to communicate and, and we move forward, right? So we, for us has been like this continuous iteration on the process. How has it been for you? What are some of the lessons there that you can share with people? Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to, I'm going to share some common themes that have already come up, but I think, I think it, it'll be insightful to, to, to hear that for us it has been a 
constant process of trying new things and iteration. And you know, something will work for a while and then it'll it might stop working or might become less effective. You know, sometimes when you try something new, you know, there, the newness of, of it um, makes it work for a little while, but then like you were talking about the tangents coming up. Um, and so, you know, we, we try to borrow ideas from things that we, from, from articles that are, you know, that either I read or my team reads. And so we might hear about a new way that maybe Dropbox is organizing their teams. We're like, okay, what can we borrow from that and try to implement that? Like what would work? You know, yeah. a lot of times, a lot of times we don't, we won't implement the entire thing because for example, maybe Dropbox, you know, as that example, um, you know, they have a huge, huge, you know, their, their engineering department is bigger than our entire company. And so, you know, is that, is that entire framework going to work? Maybe not, but maybe we can take a component. What if we tried this thing? Yeah. We try it for a little while and see how it works. You know, the other thing that is a theme that's come up before is really involving the team and just, you know, just, you know, seeing like, okay, what, what can we do to improve the process? Um, you know, if the process is, hey, we need to, I mean, the reason why you're doing the, you know, if you take it back to first principles, the reason why you're doing those meetings is because you want everyone on the same page. You want the team to be able to collaborate. You want to make sure that information is not siloed in different areas of the company. Mm -hmm. So you try those meetings and they work for a little while, but then they're going off on tangents. But if everyone on the team understands, here's, here's the reason why we were trying to do these meetings in the first place. So, okay, you know, this part of it's working, but this part isn't, isn't let's, let's have a meeting about how we can improve our meetings. And sometimes, you know, sometimes you can, you can get some really, really powerful ideas from your team. And even if a, an idea doesn't come up right away, if you plant the seed, then it's sort of like when you, when you, it's a reticular activating system where when you buy a new car, you know, yeah. all of a sudden you're seeing it all over the road. So, yeah. you know, if you plant the seed that, Hey, here's what we're looking for. We're looking for some ideas that are going to help us, you know, be able to collaborate better um, in Slack or, you know, is Slack the best way for us to communicate? What are some better ways for us to work together, but not get, you know, distracted and have, you know, so that there's a lot of task switching. So if the idea is, Hey, you know, the problem is, is that the way we're communicating in Slack, and this, this literally happened for us, um, something that we, had to, had to deal with is, you know, Slack is amazing for certain types of conversations. And so we tried to analyze what sort of conversations is Slack good mm -hmm. for? And, and when does it become more of a distraction? Like, so, so now we have an idea of, okay, these types of conversations go into ClickUp, which is what we use for, mm. you know, for our project management. And these types of conversations go in, in Slack. And not only which conversations do we have in Slack, but kind of where they go. And it's not, it's not like super regimented. Um, I've seen some companies where there's a standard operating procedure for every single little thing. So it's not that regimented, but you know, we have an understanding of look for the, for the communication to flow correctly. You know, this this conversation needs to go here and this conversation needs to go here. And then there's open, you know, th there's opportunities for, for people to evaluate each other. You know, there are members of my team who will, you know, point out to say someone in the client services department, hey, you see this answer over here, you could have done a little bit of, of a better job. And it's not, hey, you idiot. It's, hey, our clients, like we're here to serve our clients. So our yeah. clients need, you know, the, you know, in order for the company to succeed, our clients need to succeed. And so this answer that you gave over here could have been better. So it's not like, let's just, let's yeah. just try to up our game. And so we're, we're constantly trying to level up our game. I think another thing that's really important to model for your team is, taking feedback um, and not taking it personally, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, being able to, 
you know, making sure that your team feels comfortable to not only give each other feedback and not take it personally and also understand how to give feedback that isn't taken personally, that isn't insulting, but also to model to your team that it's okay to receive feedback and like take it in and go, you know, I'm, yep. I'm, I think you made a good point. Like I'm going to try to, I'm going to try to work on that. Absolutely. Yeah. No, communication is 100% key. And talking about communication, look at this smooth segue. Going into <laughs> content, right? Content, obviously, it's a lot of communication between you and your audience, right? Mm -hmm. And you mentioned previously that you love, I mean, you didn't quite say you love, but I, I have the feeling you do direct response marketing, right? So I went on, you know, Facebook ads library and I was like, I have a feeling they might be doing some direct response marketing to deadline funnel. So I started looking deadline funnel and I started seeing your ads. And, you know, I think that is part of the core content that you guys create is those pieces of advertisement. So you can present to people, obviously get them to take an action. And I'm extremely curious, right? Like what is, what, are, what is your thought specifically in today's content world, right? That you have so many different mediums, right? Different source of create, different type of creators, right? I mean, B2B people are creating content in a different way than just like straight creators. And then you have direct response marketers that are crafting content, right? With these very specific uh, techniques and, and values, I guess, to drive action and results. So I'm curious on, on, on your opinion around the content world, first of all, kind of like on a general basis. And then I'm curious on how are you crafting these pieces of advertisement or what other types of content are you using to drive results inside of your business? Uh, so I'm going to take this in a direction that, that might, might surprise you, but our, um, so if I'm not answering the question the way that you want, please bring me back. Oh but, no, you're um, good. I, I find for me, the, the channel and the content method that has really worked the best for us, um, is, is using happy clients, um, mm. and, and basically word of mouth. Some of the word yep. of mouth is, is natural and organic. Some of the word of mouth is where it kind of comes in and starts as natural and organic, but it won't blossom unless you nurture it and feed it. And I'll, and I'll, and I'll explain what that means. And then some of the word of mouth is through affiliates and JV partners, which is networking. Um, and so we've done an amazing job. If, if you were to go to, and, and I'm just pointing this out as an example, if you were to go to deadlinefunnel.com and check out the, you know, what people say about us, you know, we have a great um, uh, array of different videos um, and testimonials and case studies from not just thought leaders, but also, you know, people who are just in the trenches doing their mm -hmm. thing using our software. Um, and so, and so we've done really, really good, a really, really good job of making sure that the people who have the number one podcast, who have, you know, shows like yours, um, you know, and, you know, they've built up their, their own audience that they know about Deadline Funnel and that we're doing an amazing job and they want to talk about Deadline Funnel. Like even if, like whether they're paid or not, they just love talking about it because they know what the, you know, what the software can do for people, what it's done for them, and also what our team is all about. Mm -hmm. And so getting other people to create the content for you has always been a really, really powerful strategy for us because nothing is more effective, in my opinion, than hearing, hearing how another client would say it. Or, you know, if you're in Pat Flynn's community and you hear a Pat Flynn 
talking about Dublin Funnel and why he uses Dublin Funnel and what he thinks about the customer service he gets from the team, blah, blah, blah. You know, there's there's no amount of copywriting. I can be the, the most amazing copywriter in the world. There's nothing that I could say in a direct response ad or even a content piece that is going to be more effective than your man, Pat Flynn, saying, yeah. I love Dublin Funnel or me showing up on Amy Porterfield's podcast and her talking about how she uses um, Dublin Funnel. But, you know, even on a smaller level, you know, for interviewing uh, interviewing people who this this is the uh, so I'm coming back to the part where I said sometimes it's organic, but you have to feed it. So yeah. um, I think a lot of times, a lot of times uh, entrepreneurs will have a comment come in like, "Hey, I uh, just want to say thanks. You guys are awesome." And either either that comment gets ignored, or maybe there's a quick reply, "Oh, thanks. You know, that's that's super." Um, or maybe they will take a screenshot of that testimonial and put it on their website, but what I think that you should do is that you should reach out to them and go, oh man, I'm so glad that you, you know, are loving the experience with content is profit. Um, hey, let me tell you, w- would you be open to having a quick conversation where I could interview you about your experience and find out a little bit more about you? Maybe if the interview goes well, we share it with our audience. Um, and, and so getting, you know, taking that small little signal of I'm a happy client and you've helped change my life and saying, okay, how can we, instead of just taking what they gave us, because usually what they gave you is, is, is interesting, but it's not compelling. It's not in the form yeah. of a story, right? And how can we turn that, how can we nurture that and grow that and shape that into a piece of content that someone wants to read, it's engaging, and it's shaped in the, it's from a real client, not something that me and my team thought, okay, what's gonna be the best headline here, right? Yeah. And so a lot of times <clears throat> that type of content, excuse me, is um, is the most compelling and most engaging for, for the audience. And you're really capturing the, the the pains and the frustrations that your audience is feeling because it's coming from someone who experiences yeah. pains and frustrations. And then they hear the journey that that person went through and how their life has changed after using your product or joining your community or joining your coaching program or whatever it is. Absolutely. I mean, and going back to direct response, I love the direct response world you can potentially have all these conversations and that that is all the material you need to craft your sales letter like your rest of the marketing material that you might need you know to grow your business comes from the words of the people that are you know experiencing the success of your product and i think that is absolutely amazing right at the same time you know people want to be part of a community they want to be part and they want to have security that something works before they make the decision. So by seeing content generated by your users, right, saying about how awesome it is and their experience and sharing everything about it, people are probably more inclined to make a positive decision about that than coming from yourself, right? Like you could be saying the same exact words, but since you are the co-founder, right, and they are users, like that is such that causes such a different impression on the person that's on the receiving end of the message. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and as you were, as you were mentioning, uh, when you gather these case studies and you have these conversations, it makes your copy better so that when you're writing your ads, when you're writing your emails, when you're crafting your webinar slides, you're, you're no longer using your words. You're, you're really, you're, if you're smart, um, and you've had enough of these conversations, you start to use the the language of your audience. And so yep. that makes everything that you do in the direct response world or the content world even more powerful. And then being able to sprinkle 
these uh, case studies and these stories throughout your presentation. So one of the things that I try to do when I'm doing, I did a webinar presentation yesterday. And so when I make a point, I try to then use that as an opportunity to, you know, weave in a client story that mm. proves that point. It's not, even though, even though the client story is kind of a testimonial about deadline funnel, the context in which I'm bringing it in at that point is a great way for me to, yes, I'm, I'm subtly weaving in, we have clients, you know, they're getting happy results, but because I'm, I'm choosing that specific testimonial to back up the point that I just made, which really is about say how to grow your business or the difference between doing launch after launch after launch versus building a sales machine, you know, a, a, uh, an asset that you can leverage and grow and improve. So making that point of like, look, you, you want to have this business asset that you can grow and improve. And it will over time, it's almost guaranteed to, to win rather than doing launch after launch after launch and getting frustrated, you know? So if I'm making that point, yeah. I can really bring that point home by, telling a story about someone like a quick yeah. story about a client who made the switch from one to the other and how it's changed her business. And so not only have I really reinforced that point, which is helpful for the sales message, but I've also weaved in a testimonial because it's clear that this is a deadline funnel client. But a lot of people just use testimonials when they want to make the point of, Hey, a lot of people use our stuff and they think that we're awesome, but there's other really creative mm. ways that I think a lot of people overlook using, client stories and testimonials that can really make your content so much more impactful because really what, what I was just describing, even though it was in the form of a webinar, you know, could be used for if you're doing an epic blog post, right? During that blog post, you're making points. Now those points, depending on what the overall objective of that long form piece of content is, is probably, you know, whether it's top of funnel or bottom of funnel, you're structuring it in a way where you're thinking, okay, if they understand this and they understand the next thing, and then they understand the next thing, the next logical step is for them to sign up for a trial or join the free community or take that next step. And so along the way, why not use case studies or examples or quotes from clients that back up the point that you make? So you yep. make the point, and then you prove it with not something that you said, but a client testimonial. Yeah. And, and so these testimonials, again, are not, you know, deadline funnel is amazing. The testimonial, you know, because we have plenty of those, but the testimonial is you know, like my business completely changed when I stopped, I you know, it. focusing only on launches and, you know, building a, a, an asset, an evergreen business yeah. and using launches as the thing that, you know, it's a cherry on top, you know, and then, and, and so you can, you, you can improve whatever content that you're creating by weaving story, you know, these client stories in. Yeah. Oh man, that is, that is what we call a hashtag golden boulder. Yes. Thank you for the sound. Yeah, and it, that's amazing, right? Because like you mentioned, there's so many other creative ways to use client stories rather than just testimonials. And probably 95% of the, the way I see most people are using the client stories are in a testimonial way, right? Where there is a testimonial page or, you know, within the sales page, there are testimonials like a sprinkle in there. But I love the fact that, you know, every time you try to illustrate a point with a story, now you're going to, okay, what client has a win that illustrates this point, right? That takes people from pain to, you know, uh, success. And then they can put themselves in the in those shoes and you're illustrating them with their story rather than with your own personal experience. Yeah. I think that is a plus rather. 
So, Jack, we have, uh, as we wrap up the show in the last, like, three minutes, um, yeah. I want to I want to challenge people in their action point for today. It's like, uh, do the outreach, like, for those for those that receive the amazing comments on anything, right? Like, whether that's your podcast, whether that's your product, whether that's your service, and reach out and ask, like, you know, Jack, just share with us to hop on a quick call and uh, and share the stories, right? Because that's going to be way more powerful, that, that Facebook message, right? And I highly, I, 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 hundred percent recognize that we've done better in the past than we've done lately, especially when the product and the things that we've been so in the business, right. That sometimes we forget to, to have those conversations. And, uh, we do get some of those comments, especially when we launch for the, for the show. So Jack, I'm going to take that action point and, <laughs> and do it as well. And I, I, and I challenge people in the audience and people listening today, uh, to go do that. Now for the last question of the show, like our favorite question, uh, where will you be if you, if you never published, if you never tackle content? Oh, where would I be? Um, yeah, I, 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 I probably would be, uh, you know, dreaming about being an entrepreneur like I was when I, you know, before I, before I left my, my, my last job. So, you know, un understanding how to, understanding how to reach your audience and how to meet them where they're at and then help them, you know, help them cross the chasm from where they are to where they want to be. And then, you know, giving them an opportunity to take that journey with you, I think is absolutely critical. And that comes from messaging and communication. So I, I think the, 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 the skill of understanding how to, how to form a message, understanding how to empathize with your audience, understanding um, how, to, how to take the, take the risk away and really make something that feels, feels scary, feel a little bit more comfortable um, is absolutely, absolutely critical. And all of that is messaging and package up inside of content. And so, you know, you've, you've got to, you've got to master messaging. You've got to master content, yeah. you know, regardless of what your channel is, you know, we talked about my channel, but there's other channels. Some people are masters at, you know, uh, YouTube, YouTube videos, but you know, you've, you've got to choose your medium um, and figure out how to make your, your, your messaging work. So no, if, if it wasn't for, if it wasn't for content, if it wasn't for messaging, uh, you know, it, our, our business, if it existed at all, would be just a, a, a small <laughs> fraction of what it is today. Yeah, Power, powerful. Thanks yeah. for sharing, Jack. I appreciate it. Uh, Jack, where, where can people find you? Where can people connect with you? Yeah, the best place is Deadline Funnel. Um, I'm, I'm not super active on, on uh, Instagram or Twitter, or any of that stuff. So just just come on over to, uh, to Deadline Funnel. We have uh, people who, so there's a 14-day free trial. I don't, I don't want to do a huge uh, pitch here, but there is a 14-day free trial. And we have we have a community that is part of that. So um, you can you can join other entrepreneurs like you come in. And it's not just about the software. It's about helping entrepreneurs grow and scale their business. So, um, yeah, that's that's um, that's where people can um, interact with me and my team and get advice awesome. on their business. Awesome. awesome. Thank you, Jack. I, I'm here on the website right now, deadlinefunnel.com. And I've seen that two of the people that work with you have been part of the Contents Profit family. <laughs> I know. Chandler Bolt and the one and only Todd Brown. Yes. Or should I say Mr. Todd? <laughs> Mr. Todd, yeah. That's a, it, yeah, inner joke over there. Uh, yeah. It's awesome, Jack. It has been so fun. Uh, thank you for the conversation. Lots of insights on the mm -hmm. team building. Inside, like all over the place was so good. So many action points. I feel people uh, take what you listen today. And, and pick one thing and go take action. Uh, I think Absolutely. that's how, how we can start getting getting traction. Go go try like 300 jobs. Figure out the one that you like. <laughs> <laughs> 300 entrepreneurial ventures. <laughs> okay. yeah. uh, Jack, anything else you want to add before we head out? 
No, I'm just uh, I'm looking forward to seeing you guys when I come back to the States. So that'll be awesome. Yeah, we have yeah. a bet going on. Fonzie against Jack in tennis. And I think Fonzie's going to be buying Wait. the margaritas. We're going we're gonna li- <laughs> to live stream that game, Jack. We're going to live stream it. And I'm telling you, I'm going to practice from today until the day that you come. Whew. You're not going to know if you're playing against me or if you're playing against uh, Novak Djokovic. Just saying. Uh, Luis, should I, should, I, should I use a wooden racket or should I use a wooden racket? That, yeah, it doesn't matter. You're still going to lose. You're going to use one of those like training paddles that are like super thin, you know? Yeah. Awesome, guys. With that said, thank you so much for tuning into the Contents Profit Podcast. Go ahead and follow the show in your favorite platform and on social media at BizBrosCo. That is right. And if Jack here help you move one step closer towards your goal please don't forget to share this episode and and leave a five-star review see ya bye guys